joining us today. Uh, welcome everyone to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your co-host Dominic Vogel. Joining me, as always, is the lovely and effervescent uh, Mr. Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? Well, I can actually see in the monitor here that the lights are shining down nicely on the top of my head, so I would have to agree. <laughs> you just illuminate nicely, my friend. That's right. <laughs> uh, enough of our glowing references. Who, who are we bringing on as a guest today? All right. So representing Toronto, Ontario, Canada, her name is Katya Forsyth, and she's a diversity and leadership consultant. Yeah, I, I've known Katya for, for quite some time, and she is an amazing, amazingly interesting uh, human, uh, really all about the uh, sort of movement, which she refers to as kicking down the glass ceiling and really leading greater diversity uh, and, and inclusion um, initiatives within organizations of all sizes. So it's going to be a really enlightening conversation. Uh, really excited to bring Katya on. Uh, we'll pause for a moment, bring her on, and then uh, we'll start off with the epic combo there. Let's do it. Katya Forsyth, welcome to the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Awesome. So we want to hear your story. Help us to get to know you a little bit. What uh, What is your background in terms of uh, personal and your your corporate journey and your career? Tell us. Tell us where you came from. <sighs> Well, how long do we have, guys? I mean, that, that could take a while. I'm going to have to do the uh, the speed dating version, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, thanks for having me. I, I come from an originally traditional background. I started out as a CPA, which I know is uh, most people find quite surprising. Um, but, you know, as a young woman coming out of school and you want to be taken seriously, you know, pick the hardest thing I could find, which at the time was doing your CA. And, uh, you know, like a lot of folks just started out going, okay, I want to have a successful career. Uh, have a family, have some kids, and um, you know how hard can that be? Little did did we most most of us know. Um, and really, my approach for round one, you know, a woman in a male dominated field was very much all right. I'm just gonna outwork everybody, outwork everybody, get to the top. You tell me I can't do it? Oh yeah, watch me. You know, um, and I think there's a lot to be said for that kind of attitude. But part of my journey now is to also help people, you know, that was now 25 years ago and uh, I got the battle scars to show it, which is, you know, working hard um, can, can do a lot of damage. And so instead of making it to the top, I mean, I did well in my career, but the 60 hour work weeks, the stress, not sleeping, um, you know, eating badly, never exercising took a toll and really damaged my health because I wasn't willing to compromise on my career and I wasn't willing to compromise on my family. Um, and so the reality was something's got to give and it was me in the middle. Um, so, you know, it was really, so act two was, oh boy, this doing it all thing. There's got to be a better way. And I had to prioritize my health. Uh, by the time I was 35, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, you know, a chronic condition. And suddenly you're like, wait a minute, like my little kids need a mom. Like this whole, this isn't curable thing was not happening for me, but I still wasn't willing to quit my career. Couldn't, didn't want to quit my family. And you go, well, what, what's the option? Like, I really struggled. It seemed so black and white to me. And so for me, it's really been a journey of figuring out how to work smarter, um, not, you know, not so hard, rebuild my health, which is why anyone who follows me on LinkedIn, if you don't, go check it out. I'm always doing fitness videos, always encouraging people to move. Because I want to both show people that even if you've already, you know, if you're like, whoops, too late, I've already screwed up my health. Uh, you can fix it. At 35, I had fibromyalgia. I turned 50 last year and I'm doing workout videos. 
um, to show people what's possible. So I think that's, um, you know, I really want to show people that, it, that, that anything is possible at any age, but also warn folks that the whole I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality um, has consequences. And our, you know, our children need parents, you know, we're, we have a lot of families and responsibilities. Um, you know, so work doesn't have to be such a grind and so hard. And now I call this sort of act three, where I really want to make workplaces better. Um, when I look back coming up, you know, there's, there's a lot I could have done to maybe work smarter, but nothing in the workplace um, encouraged me or supported me to make it easier. Um, you know, so to me, it's about how do we make it, you know, more diverse? I was the only woman in the room a lot of the time. And so you're working twice as hard trying to prove yourself, um, which doesn't make it any easier. Um, tons of stress and nothing in the workplace, you know, really supports you to, at least not when I was coming up. And I think some people are doing it better, but to help employees deal with stress, you know, in the last year, we're certainly seeing that. Um, help parents in those crunch years, like the years in your, where you're at right now, Dom. I mean, my youngest is now 11. Very different territory than when I had two and three-year-olds and I was trying to do it all on three hours of sleep every night. Um, so really for me, it's about building a better workplace, which means you know fewer obstacles for those who are working twice as hard. You know, Quite frankly, anyone with a different background who doesn't fit the cookie cutter norm is working twice as hard as everybody else just to get to the table. Um, and then once you make it to the table, I think there's a lot in the corporate world that we could change and make better, um, quite frankly, so that work doesn't suck so bad. Um, I'm trying to figure out a smarter way of putting that on my uh, you know, website because it doesn't sound quite so professional, but really, like work should be you know, more pleasant and more, you know, um, we can work hard, but not have it be so brutally hard that we lose our health. So there you go, I'll pause for a breath. How's that for an intro? <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely awesome uh com coming out of the gate swinging and you know we just connected <laughs> on linkedin i think you know over the last couple of days so the only post yeah. that i've seen of yours is a workout video i, I didn't really know much <laughs> else about you so i can i can attest that that's true something that you hit on there was that tension between you know family and work and i know uh Yep. Dominic and I both prioritize our family as well. So I can really, you, you kind of brought me into that and, and I can really relate to that. Um, here's a question that I'm hoping that you're going to answer for me. Um, you, Ooh, the pressure. <laughs> you you uh, were in what you describe as male dominated uh, industries. And I'm really hoping that you're going to. Um, share with us now uh, some scenarios that you found yourself in, uh, characters that you experienced. Because I, I know that I I found myself working for a company that kind of fits that description. It was kind of like an old boys club, an old boys industry, and uh, a, a whole lot of, a whole lot of uh, swagger. And I, I describe it like the Channel 4 newsroom with Ron Burgundy, if you've ever seen um, Anchorman. Um, <laughs> Can you just tell us a story or two about your experience there, just so that people can understand what the what the reality is? I think, um, you know, and especially, you know, when you're first starting out, it's one thing now, you know, when you've got, you know, at this point, 25 years of experience and, and some uncomfortable situation happens, you're a little more prepared to deal with it. You know, when you're first coming up, you know, so I'm, you know, a young professional in my early 30s. And you, I really did believe I'm like, I'm the same as the guys around me. I, I'm just I'm here to work. And I don't, I don't want to be treated any different. 
And so I think on about day four, um, I was a new director of finance. We flew out to Winnipeg, you know, for a big, we'd done a big acquisition, you know, in a boardroom of, you know, 40 people. Um, I think there might've been one other woman. So basically it's, you know, 38, um, you know, older white men, you know, around a boardroom table. Uh, but even then it's like, all right, fine. I got my suit on. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, and so the meeting's progressing and it's little things like the first time someone swears in the room. Now I know this is hard to believe, but as ladies have actually heard swear words before, we've been known to use them ourselves. Does happen. But what happens? The man turns, looks at me and apologizes. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't. And you, that, you know, I'm like four days into a brand new, like so mortifying, right? Cause you don't even know what to say. So stuff like that, where you just treat it as different or protected. Like I really, my poor little gentle ears don't need to be shielded. Um, worse than that, you know, I think a few years later, again, you know, so you're trying to build relationships with your male peers and most, let's be clear, most of my relationships were, you know, just fine. Um, new director of manu, you know, new VP of manufacturing. So a couple levels above me at this point, my job is to, you know, be a director of finance. And so I just want to build a relationship. I come in his office, introduce myself, and I see some books, you know, on his shelf. I'm like, hey, you know, which of these books do you recommend? I mean, just something neutral to get the conversation started. And this giant of a man who was like sort of a former, you know, uh, you know, uh, Olympic athlete, you know, probably like 250 pounds and six foot five, you know, looks at me and says, Katya, why are you reading these books? Why are you reading these business books? You should be at home reading the Kama Sutra with your husband. I kid you not. And I'm just like, what do I say now? What do I do now? Because it's like, you have grown daughters my, my age, but it's that awkwardness of, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to report anything. I just was like, ha, you know, kind of laugh it off and leave because I also knew that, you know, you go down that path. Now you're having conversations with HR. I, I knew our company would take it seriously, but I'm like, man, this is just a whole lot of noise and mess. I just want to do my job. Um, and that was really hard because I tried ignoring it, but it was the comments that always reminded me that I was a woman versus I'm a finance professional here to do my job. Um, and it was awkward, right? So now you're like, okay, where are we going with this? So I think it's sometimes it's women have experienced all kinds of different scenarios from just the awkward to even the, you know, nice outfit. I'm like, I really would rather we're not having conversations about my clothes, my hair, even on LinkedIn. I mean, I ignore any comment that ever refers to how I look, um, even if it's complimentary, because I've spent my entire profession working to be taken seriously for what I do. Um, you know, but I shouldn't, I don't want, I'm not going to show up and like put a paper bag over my head everywhere I go. I mean, that's just kind of silly. But yeah, I think there's a whole lot of stuff around your looks being treated differently, where really, I just want, I just want you to talk to me the way you talk to Dom, you know? Um, I think that's what most women are sort of looking for in the workplace. There you go. And, and, and th thank you so much for, for sharing that, you know, and, and so how do we, and as you know, I have a, have a 10 year old daughter as well. You know, it, it mortifies me thinking about the, you know, the mm -hmm. world she's growing up in and, you know, I th and I think about again, the, whether it be to toxic culture, masculinity, or even some of the unconscious bias in which men say things 
don't realize that it's hurtful or that it's uh, belligerent or belittling. Um, I know you're, you're advocating a you know, kick the glass ceiling approach, which I, 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 I love that, that, that phrasing of it. What do we need to do? Um, and again, much of this change isn't going to happen unless then the day you, know, you have more white males advocate and you know start bringing down the old school patriarchy. What are some practical and pragmatic things for you know for people who are listening or you know for people who run their own business? What are things that they can start doing to actually start shattering and, and removing that glass ceiling? I mean, I think the first thing is just this: is normalizing conversations where it's not, you know, where I can tell you a story and you guys aren't going, oh, "I didn't do it. I'm not a bad guy." Like there's a lot, you know, versus, okay, you know, um, there's a lot of things said and done where someone goes, oh, well, I, I didn't mean any harm. You know, um, I think normalizing and understanding that we all have biases. You know, one of the most damaging things is that for women, there's, there's, a, there's a concept of you're, you're damned if you do and you're doomed if you don't in the sense of there are these stereotypes that men take charge and women take care. So what I didn't know that I was battling when I was coming up in my 30s was that I was really busy modeling all the same leadership that I see my male peers doing, going, I'm going to show you guys I can do the exact same stuff you can do. And what I got in return, though, was not a whole bunch of attaboys or girls. What I got were people asking my boss, how do you work with her? She's so aggressive. And I was mystified back then because I thought, but I'm doing the exact same stuff you guys are doing. Like, I don't get it. Like, I'm really not that different. And then the light went on for me that the men, you know, who, who weren't used to, you know, a leadership coming in, in a package that looked like this, weren't comparing me to themselves. They were comparing me to their sisters, their wives, their mothers, their, the, the women in their lives. And for them, you know, I was the first woman in, in, you know, it was a meat manufacturing company. I was the first woman in that office who wasn't somebody's secretary. So when women are in roles that are kind of caregiving and caretaking roles, it's like, oh, we like you. That's natural. That feels right. And when women step up to lead, that's when it's like, oh, hang on a second. Like that's uncomfortable. Um, and so I think a lot of it is educating. The first and foremost, we've just got to understand the biases are real. Um, and then start going, you know, one of the stats I use is that women now earn 60% of the postgraduate degrees, but are 6% of CEOs. You know, even my own husband at times has said, oh, but things are changing, just give it a bit more time. And I'm like, things, we had already achieved parity when I graduated from university. I've spent my whole career facing these same um, attitudes, right? Like I've had to change companies every single time to get a promotion. No one company I've ever worked at past the VP level, despite being a top performer and, you know, in every single job and every year of every role, I've had to leave to go and get promotions. Well, that's not normal for most male peers coming up, right? And you look back and go, why? Right. And I think a lot of it was mentorship, actual planning versus, well, if she's good, you know, we'll leave it up to fit. Like I made the final, like I made the final two of like just about every interview process I ever went through. But in the end, it was always, well, we'll let the person doing the final choice pick who they're more comfortable with. Well, you're going to pick, you know, most people are going to pick the person they're comfortable with. They go, well, you're kind of like me. So, so I'm going to pick the one who's like me. But thanks for coming out, right? Um, 
for 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 and and you know when we're talking about you know like 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 uh, labels you know labels like female ceo right that drives me absolutely nuts why can't that person just be referred to as a ceo and you know when we're talking about uh, you know just these broader societal changes that still have to have to happen even if you look about what's happened during the pandemic as an example uh, mm-hmm. i've read somewhere that the majority of, of people who lost their jobs during the pandemic the majority was overwhelmingly women and yes. that disparity there as well you know, there are these um, strong societal uh, underflows and undercurrents which are preventing us from, from moving forward as a society you know and um, you know it's it, the things which always um, bother me and I think that something I'd like to get your opinion on here is you know, there's some people who will say oh you know I'm, I'm not sexist or I'm not racist but the point is, is it enough to not be that, or should you be aggressively anti-racist, anti-sexist? You know, to me, if you're in an organization and you see sexism happening, if you don't say anything, you're complicit. You need to actively call that garbage out. So how do we get people from being in the, oh, uh, it doesn't apply to me and I'm not a bad person because I have a daughter, so I, uh, I, I can't be sexist, uh, to a- yep. being actively, a- uh, you know, to motivate people to being actively anti-sexist, anti-racist. Uh, how do we get to that state? Well, for me, I mean, I've been a CFO my whole career. Um, so everything has been about the data and metrics. So for me, it's interesting. I come at it from less of a values perspective, because when we, when we make it about people being good people, we get defensive. But we also leave, you know, leave too much up to individual judgment versus you think about everything else in business, you know, we measure it, right? So, you know, diversity is proven to be profitable. Like in diverse companies are, you know, have 73% more revenue from innovation. Um, from a bottom line profitability, gender diverse companies are 26% more profitable. Ethnically diverse, 36% more profitable. So I just put the money hat on and go, how, if we know there's a proven way to be more profitable on top of being the right thing, how do we not just, you know, you manage what you measure. So why don't we just start, you, you measure the pipeline, you measure your processes and you go, it's pretty simple. We start out with 50% pretty equal at the entry level. We lose 10% of the women in the first promotion to manager. So quite simply, you just start tracking, hang on a second, not about being, we're going to have a mix of good and bad people in all genders and all shapes and sizes. But if we actually manage our own performance and our public companies, you know, all of the big organizations, why aren't we required to just publish our stats, right? Because if you start tracking and now you go, hmm, if I look at all your promotions last year, you know, we've got... 70% white men and we've got, you know, a bunch of white women and if you once you start managing and measuring anything, you start to have to and you're held accountable, you will change. I'm not sure if you guys saw the spread in the Globe and Mail last week, but I mean, there are 224 CEOs on the Toronto Stock Exchange and 215 are men, 9 are women, and there were very there were very few non-white faces on that page. There are more CEOs named Michael on the Toronto Stock Exchange than there are women. I mean, it's 2021. So, and it's not to say, I'm sure those are perfectly qualified people, but to think that there aren't perfectly qualified people of all, you know, diverse uh, backgrounds, you know, so for me, diversity just means, you know, 
all, you know, you should represent your company should look like your community should look like your customers because you because you're missing out financially if it doesn't. Right. And so I just want to be practical, you know, almost unemotional and go, why is it acceptable for all of our, you know, as shareholders, for our organizations to not be maximizing um, the best approach, which we know is to have more diverse views beyond just being the right thing. That makes absolutely. sense. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, absolutely. And oh, we're so grateful for, the, for this insight and wisdom and, and um, you know, thought provoking uh, stances here, Katya. This is absolutely amazing. Um, I know we're running low on time, but I wanted to um, uh, ask you as well. Um, if I know you have a burgeoning speaking career, so if any of our uh, listeners and viewers want to get a hold of you potentially for a speaking opportunity at their organization, uh, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? Uh, that would be awesome. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, anytime, Katya Forsyth. Uh, my email is katya at kickglasscat.com. And very shortly, my website will be up and running, and that'll also going to be kickglasscat.com. Amazing. This is, we're probably going to need a part two at some point, Katya. This is an amazing <laughs> conversation. Christian and I are just so, so grateful for, for, for your time and for your candor today. It was an absolutely amazing, amazing conversation. Thank you again so, so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Katya. Awesome. Yeah, that was a really engaging uh, conversation with Katya. You know, she's such a, a endearing uh, character in person. You know, she uh, has such a wide variety of experience. You know, uh, whether that be from a, a CFO perspective or her her fondness for uh, for fitness and diversity and inclusion. You know, she's an expert in a lot of different areas. So, uh, a lot of different takeaways, obviously. But what was one of your uh, one key takeaways from that conversation? Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think uh, Katya brought out a, a really important point for us to consider, which which I agree with, is that a diversity, uh, a diverse workforce, a diverse organization is going to perform better. And you only know that through properly managing and measuring that. So the, the data, the numbers speak that message that different backgrounds, different skill sets, uh, you know, different genders, all this kind of thing. Uh, really makes a stronger, more powerful, more successful organization. Absolutely. You know, and I, I, I love her, her saying of, you know, kick the glass ceiling. You know, I think, you know, we, we've come to a point in society where uh, we really need to, we, as far as technologically advanced as we are, we're still uh, very much in some cases in the dark ages in terms of how we've evolved as a society. So, you know, having people like Katya to be able to lead the charge and, and breaking down a lot of those uh, barriers and seeing uh, uh, more women and other levels uh, of diversity on boards and in the C-suite, it's, it's super important to bring our society to the next level. So we're very appreciative of, of uh, Katya taking time to, to chat with us today. Yeah, I would say she's kicking glass and taking names, and maybe that should be her new <laughs> tagline. We'll have to pass that along too. That one's that, for that, free. That, that's that, that's that, the that's the creative <laughs> department. Uh, on, on that note, we want to, uh, again, extend a special thanks to our loyal listeners and, and uh, viewers for taking time out of their uh, busy week uh, to engage with the podcast. Uh, as always, please uh, do check out previous episodes and other podcasts under the Conversations That Matter uh, banner. Uh, you can check those out on the Conversations That Matter YouTube page. Uh, and if you feel so inclined to leave uh, feedback, positive, negative, uh, whatever you feel, uh, whatever you see fit, uh, as well as on other podcasts and platforms as well. We appreciate 
any ratings, like I said, good or bad. Uh, but until next time, uh, be well, be safe, be awesome, and we'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Thank you.